Hi everyone, thank you for tuning back into the Fangirl Report. I am your host, Katherine Mora, and I am so happy to be back. It has been a while, and this year has been insane for Marvel fans. I think we can all agree, starting with WandaVision in January, Marvel has just gone full steam ahead, nonstop. It's been utterly insane, and I am looking forward to not playing catch-up, but you know, talking to you guys a little more about everything that's been going on this year. And to kickstart the relaunching of the Fangirl Report podcast, we're going to be talking about Black Widow. I asked you guys on Instagram whether you would prefer me to restart the podcast talking about the Black Widow movie or the Loki finale and series overall, and you guys picked the Black Widow movie, so the next episode will be about Loki and the finale, but for now, we're going to just focus on Black Widow. To start off, I just want to talk about my issues with the movie, just to kind of get that out of the way before we dive deeper. So... I think we can kind of all agree that the Taskmaster reveal was kind of obvious. Um, At least I saw that coming as soon as... I mean, really, as soon as Natasha revealed that she had killed Dracov's daughter in that flashback, I was kind of suspecting that the little girl survived and is either a widow or Taskmaster. um, So that was a little disappointing of a reveal to me and on top of that the taskmaster fights were all really short and overall the character was just underutilized all the fight scenes were kind of already hinted at or shown in the trailers so taskmaster overall kind of disappointing it didn't bother me that it was you know drakov's daughter it just bothered me that it was just so obvious and that the character itself was like barely in the film besides again stuff that we had already seen in the trailers that was my main issue with the character and also drakov like as a villain, he's very scary. I think he's one of the scariest villains in the MCU just because he's so realistic. Like, you know that there are actual people in the world, like, besides the whole, like, training girls to be, like, spies thing, like, the whole human trafficking theme is very realistic. And, you know, there are men like Dracov out there in the world, which just makes him, like, a really scary and real villain. But he himself is also barely in the film. It's fine, I guess, but, you know, the lack of Taskmaster and the lack of Dracov, it feels like there's not really a villain in this film. So, I don't know. I would have enjoyed more behind the scenes of Dracov running the Red Room besides the very little that we got in the first act of the film. And honestly, as far as any issues I have with the movie, that's really the whole list. Like, other than that, I thought it was really well executed. I thought the fight scenes were great, and I know that that's something that a lot of people agree on, that the fight scenes are just spectacular. But also that opening intro credit scene, it's just so, so good. In fact, and I've talked about this with some of my friends, but I kind of want to talk about it here on the podcast, I'm almost curious to know if Marvel is planning some sort of Oscars campaign with this movie um you know with that opening credit scene that's not something that marvel has ever done before just you know touching on those very realistic themes and the whole execution and editing of that sequence it's just very not marvel but also the cinematography as well if you look at it there it has like almost like an indie feel to it an indie vibe it's not your typical marvel cinematography like the action sequences were shot very much like a Marvel superhero movie. But everything else, like Natasha living in that um, trailer out in the field and just, you know, the sh- like the, the establishing shots and everything, the cinematography did not feel like a Marvel movie. And I wonder if that was Marvel trying to just kind of set it up as like not your typical spy superhero film to like pursue an Oscar nomination. I don't think they're going to try to go for a win 
like they did with Black Panther, but at the very least, a nomination. And, you know, it's very possible. I mean, if you think about WandaVision, they got so many Emmy nominations. And I know TV and Emmys is very different from the Oscars and movies. But, you know, Marvel is stepping into the award arena, so to speak. Like, they got that nomination for Best Picture for Black Panther back when it came out. They got all those nominations for the Emmys for WandaVision and a few for uh, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It seems to me that now that they've more or less conquered the box office... Marvel might try to start, you know, racking up some awards as well because, you know, once you take over the box office, what else really do you have besides getting some more prestige through awards? But that might just be me. I might be totally off base. That's just kind of how I am seeing this whole uh, movie playing out. Although, who knows? Like, um, if you've been on Marvel TikTok at all, you will know that Scarlett Johansson has recently filed a lawsuit against Disney because of a breach of contract. So to summarize, in case you don't know, when Scarlett Johansson's contract was signed for the Black Widow movie, she was essentially guaranteed a theatrical-only release. And a majority of her income from this movie was going to be based off of the box office earnings. However, Disney, you know, released the film at the same time on Disney Plus as well, which is where the breach of contract comes in. And according to Scarlett Johansson's team, they reached out to Disney multiple times to kind of clarify and renegotiate the contract and Disney was non-responsive. As of right now, I have not heard any statements coming out of Disney to, you know, kind of tell their side of the story. So this is kind of just one-sided story. If this is true, then Scarlett Johansson definitely deserves to be paid. Uh, They project that she has lost a total of $50 million because of this um, breach of contract. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, but she's already made so much money, blah, blah, blah. If this was Chris Evans or Robert Downey Jr., like, you know the fandom would be up in arms. Like, like how dare you do this to Iron Man, to Captain America? Like, and the thing is, this movie has been so long overdue. Not only did she not really get, you know, the full uh, premiere experience that all the other solo uh, heroes have gotten for their movies, she didn't get the press tour, she didn't really get that much of a red carpet experience. Like, of course, COVID-19 has impacted the movie industry in a way that no one ever really saw coming. But then when you look at Warner Brothers, it turns out that they renegotiated their contracts with their stars and it's costing them like over $200 million or something like that in order to do it. And because on HBO Max, they are releasing their movies at the same time that they're coming out in theaters every single month. So those are, you know, at least 12 movies that the contracts have to be renegotiated for. Whereas Disney couldn't even be bothered to do it with Black Widow for Scarlett Johansson. It just, the whole situation really just stinks. Okay, but enough of the, you know, real world stuff. Let's go more into the uh, fictional world things in terms of theories and just kind of like important details that I've noticed. And these new theories that I have, you know, now that I'm caught up on everything MCU. So because of when this movie came out, people are a little bit confused in terms of the timeline. So I just want to clear it up a little bit. So Civil War happens, right? That so the events of Civil War occur. Then Black Panther occurs about a week afterwards and the events of Black Widow is occurring around the same time. However, the final Black Widow scene with uh, Mason where he gives her, it looks like a Quinjet, occurs before Steve breaks the other um, team cap members out of the raft. And it was, you know, something that we didn't see in Civil War, but you can assume, based off what Natasha says in Black Widow, that she is helping Steve break all of them out of the raft. 
Then Spider-Man Homecoming happens a few months later. Infinity War happens a few years later. That's basically the gist of the Marvel timeline for anybody who's confused. As for when the after credit takes place, um, there's going to be more about this to come in the next episode of the podcast where I talk more about the Loki finale. But the after credit scene um, with Yelena and Valentina obviously takes place after the events of Endgame. And it was actually supposed to be Valentina's first appearance in the MCU, but then COVID happened, making her first appearance being shifted over to the Falcon, the Winter Soldier. Again, I'll talk more about that in the next podcast episode, but I just thought that was very interesting. Uh, Kevin Feige came out and said, yeah, this was supposed to be her first appearance because Black Widow was supposed to come out May 2020, but we all know what happened instead. And, you know, speaking of Endgame, meeting Natasha's family in this movie just makes her sacrifice an Endgame that much sadder. I mean, her drive to bring everyone back, you know, we assumed it was just about the missing Avengers. Like, obviously, you know, she wants to help bring everybody who dusted back, you know, help save the world as part of the whole being Avengers, being a hero kind of a thing. But, you know, specifically the fact that she talks about, like, even though they're gone, you know, I want to be a better person for them. You think she's talking about, you know, the Avengers who are, who were no longer with them, you know, Wanda, Sam, um, I feel like I'm forgetting a lot of people. Uh, and the Avengers, you know, very much are Natasha's family, you know, that's established in Endgame and reestablished in in her movie in Black Widow that, but she has two families. She has the Avengers, but she also has her, her Russian assassin family as well. And I don't think this has been confirmed or denied one way or the other, but I could be wrong. I believe that all of her family was dusted uh, after Thanos snapped. So her drive to, you know, save the world and bring everybody back, undo what Thanos did, it's even more impactful because she wants her other family back. She wants her, her mom and her dad and her sister to come back. So the whole argument about whether it should have been Clint or Natasha, I'm not going to go too much into it. If you follow me on social media, you know where I stand with that. But the argument that, oh, it couldn't have been Clint because he has a family. Well, guess what? So did Natasha and she sacrificed herself so that Clint could live and see his kids, but also so that her family could come back to life even though she was never going to see them again with, with that sacrifice. And that just makes her even more of a hero in the end. And like, I also know that this couldn't have happened because Black Widow hadn't come out, you know, by the time Endgame came out. But can you just imagine if Yelena, Alexi, and Molina were in the portal scene at Endgame? Like when everybody's coming out through the portals, you know, with the triumphant music playing, and then you see the three assassins, the three Russian assassins coming out. Um, and, you know, it's sad because... Rip Natasha, she's gone, but I it just would have been really, really cool if they were there as well. But unfortunately, that's not how the that's not the way things worked out. That's not how the uh, movies were released, released in the wrong order. I do think Black Widow should have come out before Infinity War and Endgame, but I'm just glad that it came out finally so we can, you know, enjoy it. But as a result of Natasha sacrificing herself uh, in Endgame and basically saving Clint's life, it begs the question why Yelena blames Clint because and the after credit scene in Black Widow Valentina tells her how would you like to have a shot at the man responsible for your sister's death so it implies that Yelena knows who Clint is like obviously she knows who Clint is from Natasha's several mentions of him in the Black Widow movie but did the Avengers release some statement about Natasha's death because 
Valentina says what this woman did and the man responsible for your sister death. Like, is it public knowledge that Natasha died for Clint? And if so, did Clint find Yelena to tell her personally? Did Yelena just find out, you know, through some public statement, if that's what the Avengers decided to do? Like, how does Valentina know? How does Yelena know that Natasha and Clint, it was going to be either Natasha or Clint and Natasha ended up dying so Clint could live? Like, do you follow what I'm saying? Like, obviously we know what that means because we watched the movies, we saw what happened on Vormir, but how does Valentina know? How does Yelena know? That just makes me believe that some sort of public statement came out, maybe similar to, you know, everybody finding out that Tony Stark, you know, died to save half the universe. Or I guess he died to save the whole universe because at that point Bruce had snapped to bring everybody back. Because you see in Spider-Man Far From Home, there's all these mentions of Tony Stark, you know, being like the savior of the universe and how he died to save everybody, that whole thing. So it makes me hopeful that, you know, people do know that Natasha sacrificed herself. Um, I mean, poor girl couldn't even get a funeral scene. She just got a tombstone, but whatever. But I just wonder, you know, how exactly certain people find out certain things because then I'm thinking about it now too in Endgame you know when everybody knows that Natasha died uh, I think it's Tony who asks do we know if she had any family and Steve says yeah us which implies that none of the Avengers know about Natasha's sister and her parents I mean Clint might have known because you know how Natasha knew about his secret family in Age of Ultron he might have known about her secret family but he doesn't mention anything and it just might be, you know, grief and it not really being the right time to bring that up. I don't know. And I know part of it has to do with writing. Like at the time Endgame came out, the script for Black Widow hadn't been finalized. I don't think they even were 100% sure that they were going to do a Black Widow film. Just that I could be remembering wrong, but I think at the time Endgame was written and filmed, there was no confirmation one way or the other that a Black Widow movie was going to happen. Like, remember how everybody knew that for the most part, the people who were snapped away were going to come back after Infinity War because Spider-Man 2 had been confirmed, Black Panther 2 had been confirmed, Doctor Strange 2 had been confirmed. So everybody was like, oh, okay, obviously something's going to happen to bring these people back or it's just going to be a bunch of flashback, you know, movies, which doesn't make a lot of sense. So who knows at this point what I know... Again, I know it's complicated production. Marvel is basically this huge machine at this point, And if they keep backtracking, it's going to make a bit of a mess, which it currently is now. Not entirely the fault, partially due to COVID. But still, I just think it would have been really, really cool if Yelena, Alexia, and Molina were in the portal scene. I'm, I'm sorry, I, I can't let that go. And like just jumping back to, to Clint, Yelena going after Clint for, for Valentina. I'm just going to say it's obviously somebody who, who wants him dead is definitely related to his five-year killing spree during the five-year gap in, in Endgame. I mean, we saw, and Rhodey mentions as well, that he was just, you know, murdering people left and right and leaving behind really gruesome scenes. So somebody either escaped his wrath or came back and find out that he killed a loved one of theirs, wants him dead now. Yelena's going after him. I'm just excited that we get to see more Yelena in the MCU. And so soon, too, because Hawkeye is coming out November 24th, I believe. So it's it's right around the corner. I don't know exactly how much screen time she's going to get. I don't think she's cast as a regular or even, like, guest star role. I think she just might have a cameo and that's it. 
but it will be interesting to see like how they choose to use her character in the show whether they're going to make her you know a full a full cast character or if she's just gonna have like one fight scene one one little thing if she's going to have any flashback scenes or any more mentions of her time in the red room any mentions of previous interactions she had with Clint maybe going back to my whole theory about Clint actually knowing about Natasha's other family and maybe even personally going and finding Elena and telling her what happened. But going back to the Black Widow movie, there is one more thing that I really did want to talk about, and that's the interaction between the Red Room and Hydra. So Melina mentions that the data they stole when they were in Ohio was from a Hydra branch that was working directly with the Winter Soldier program. So I want to know, like, how did they know that that data about, you know, controlling and manipulating the mind was there like what kind of recon slash intel did they do or get in order to find out about that so i wondered if drakov had an alliance with hydra and then like secretly betrayed them by sending melina and alexi to steal that data um because we know in the comics that bucky does spend some time in the red room training the widows nat natasha uh, especially um and it just calls back to that line in civil war when natasha and bucky who's been brainwashed again by Zemo, Natasha tells Bucky, you can at least recognize me. That's a huge hint that they had interacted previously and it might have been, you know, with Natasha and maybe even Yelena in the Red Room. So if Hydra and Dracov had some sort of alliance, partnership, whatever, Hydra's mind control, brainwashing of the Winter Soldier could have tipped Dracov off to the fact that they were researching more about, you know, mind control, brainwashing, and he decided he wanted that technology, that information for himself, for his own gain. And really, if that was the case and Hydra found out about it, there wasn't too much that they could do because one, Dracov had control over the entire Red Room and all the Widows. So, you know, that means that if they sent the Winter Soldier, for example, after him, the Winter Soldier would have had to go through all of those Widows and maybe even have died. So maybe Hydra wasn't willing to risk their asset in that fashion but you also have to remember that at that point the the whole concept of hydra was that they were destroyed and that captain america beat them in in the war in reality they were just hiding in shield the whole time there wasn't too much that they could do publicly because again they were hiding in shield they wouldn't come out of the shadows for decades so drakov could have totally betrayed them you know and done so in a manner that was like kind of all up in their face but he also could have done it in secret and then have told Hydra when he found out, you know, quote unquote, found out that somebody had stolen their data. I was like, oh, yes, I'll totally get my widows on it to help you find out who did it and recover the data, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, obviously lying to them about that. But it could have gone either way. And if he had done it in a very blatant manner that exposed his involvement, then, you know, whatever. He has the widows and then he had that way to... You know, he could he was using Molina to study and develop a way to control his widows even more closely. It's just one of those off-camera, off-screen kind of headcanon type things that I really like thinking about because, you know, Marvel is such a huge universe at this point. Like, even ignoring the comics entirely, the cinematic universe is just so big and there are so many stories that touch each other or overlap. Like, I realized that when Natasha, Yelena, Alexi, and Melina were living in Ohio, it was 1995. That was the same year that Carol Danvers crashed down to Earth 
as a Kree soldier and met Nick Fury and all of that happened. So it's funny to see, at, you know, the more movies that come out, how all these characters' lives sort of... I mean, Natasha's story and Carol's story don't really overlap because it's two completely different things. But the fact that, you know, they're happening at the same time, which obviously, you know, everybody's living their lives. Everybody's doing their own thing. But, you know, thinking about like, oh, when those S.H.I.E.L.D. agents were chasing after, well, Hydra, but, you know, undercover as S.H.I.E.L.D., agents were chasing um, Natasha's family as they were fleeing the country. Could Coulson have been part of that team? Could he have, you know, gotten a report that this happened? You know, Tony's parents were murdered in 1991 by the Winter Soldier. So after Hydra saw that the the serum that uh, Howard Stark was working on didn't work, was that part of the reason why they were more willing to work with Drakeoff? And again, I know that this hasn't been confirmed or denied in the MCU, but hypothetically, could that have been a reason why Hydra was willing to loan the Winter Soldier to the Red Room program for training? Because then they thought, oh, maybe we can get Widows to work for Hydra later on as well. The cinematic universe is just getting bigger and bigger, and it's going to even get more bigger, um, for lack of a better word, because of the multiverse opening up. And I don't know how confusing or, you know, convoluted everything's going to get. Dep- it all really depends on how Marvel chooses to proceed with this multiverse idea, if they're going to start releasing movies that take place in other universes, or if they're going to try to resolve the whole multiverse situation and just go back to one timeline who knows but the universe is expanding and it's awesome and i'm enjoying every moment of it and that's pretty much all i have for you guys for this episode um i think this is one of my longest podcast episodes yet but it's just this movie even though you know natasha's story is over she had such an impact on the MCU and I'm really glad that she finally got her movie and that her legacy will continue on in Yelena. It's not, you know, that's it. There's no more Black Widow. Even if Yelena doesn't become, you know, quote unquote, the Black Widow, she's still very much a part of Natasha that will live on in the MCU. And she's a great character on top of that. So I'm really happy about it. Definitely make sure that you, you know, subscribe to the podcast because next week, I will be talking about Loki and the finale of that show and just how this is going to open up the multiverse in ways that we might not even be able to imagine. And I can't wait to share all of my thoughts and theories about that with you guys in the next episode next week. So definitely subscribe so you don't miss it. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and I'll see you in the next one. Bye guys.